You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds Podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. Have you ever paused to define what does generational wealth mean for you? Seriously, what does that mean for you? I think it's one of those things where it's similar to success. If you don't have your own definition of success, you're never going to feel like you quote unquote made it. The same thing is true for generational wealth. If you don't have a good answer to what that means for you, you're always going to be struggling and you may not feel like it's ever enough. That's why I was so excited to chat with today's guest about building generational wealth and what that looks like for her. Before I do that, I have to share a really awesome money win that I saw in the private Facebook group, Manager Money Like a Boss. This money win came from Haley. Haley says, my first furniture flip was so fun. Bought a coffee table for $14 and sold for $60. Time on Facebook Marketplace was two and a half months. Second photo was how I staged the photo. Open to any recommendations for my next flip. Hashtag money win. Haley, I have no recommendations. It looks like you're kicking butt and it looked really, really great. I'm excited to see your progress. So please keep us posted in the Facebook group and not a bad profit, my friend. Congrats to you. All right, let's go ahead and dive into a little bit about today's guest, Andrea Ramos. Andrea helps women of color manage their money and start building generational wealth. She majored in marketing with a minor in entrepreneurship at University of Florida. She started getting serious about her finances, much like most of us, when she graduated college and then got her first job. So she took this job. She was making $22,000 per year, which is not a ton but was able to save $8,000 within 18 months. She was born in Lima, Peru, and came to the U.S. when she was just five years old. Her family lived in Chicago before coming to Florida when she was 10. Growing up, I always love immigrant stories. I think it's so fascinating to see how the conversations around money are different. But growing up, she was taught both worlds. Entrepreneurship's the way to go from her mom. And the stability of a nine to five with really great benefits is key from her dad. Andrea has such an interesting perspective, and I really enjoyed the conversation. Here's some of what we talked about today. We talked about migrating to the U.S. from Peru when she was five and how that actually affected her life, how her parents influenced her perspective on money and entrepreneurship, budgeting and setting a clear goal and how that led to Andrea's epiphany, tips for celebrating small wins along the way, candid conversations that women of color face, generational wealth, guilt around wanting to make a lot of money. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but I know I did for a period of time too, felt a lot of money shame for wanting to make a ton of money. Like I felt kind of guilty about that. And then we have a good conversation around developing a healthy outlook with your finances. Guys, this is such a great episode. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Andrea Ramos. What's up, guys? I am so excited to be joined by my new friend, Andrea. Andrea, thank you so much for hanging out. No problem. Thanks for having me. This is great. 
I am so stoked to chat with you for lots of different reasons, but one of those is you grew up, you were born in Peru. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your life in Peru? Yeah. Um, so I was born in Peru. I, my parents um, came to the United States in Illinois um, when I was five years old. So I was there for the first five years of my life. There's only a couple like childhood memories that I remember. I remember my birthday party. Um, I remember like going to, I went to a Catholic school cause there's a lot of like Catholic schools, um, growing up and wearing uniform. So there are like key childhood memories I remember, but I do remember specifically being at the airport and like waving to my family and them, and them crying and me as a little five-year-old, like confused. Cause I didn't understand that we were moving. Um, but I, that, those were like the key memories that I have. <laughs> oh, that's, that's pretty, yeah. I mean, I, I could say that's pretty livid for sure. So what was the draw for moving to America? Was it like just workplace or what, what was the draw there? Um, so my dad um, worked at the American embassy when he was in Peru and um, he had just connections there. So he was able to get a visa, a residential visa. Um, so we had family already in Illinois um, and my parents were just really wanting to just, you know, have us grow up in America for the American dream. At the time, um, Peru had a lot of just like turmoil in the country. And, um, I remember my mom telling me, we just wanted, you know, more for you guys. We wanted you to have like opportunities. And because my dad's connection, um, made that easier, they just kind of like took the leap. Uh, it was easier cause they had family. Um, but you know, still, I can't imagine like them being in their forties, taking that oh, step man. and just starting over. Right. Cause like, even when I think of me building now, like my life and career to just like, reach 40 and then we're starting over is like oh wow thanks intense (laughs) yeah yeah I mean good 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 on your parents I think that's awesome my fiance his parents are immigrants from Vietnam and so I always find the immigrant mentality so fascinating it seems like there's a totally different level of drive from what I've seen so from your parents perspective I know you you got kind of both sides of the stories of like career advice. So can you tell us a little bit about like what types of career advice you were given when you were a kid? Yeah. So my mom has always been an entrepreneur. Like she just has always started businesses when she was little. She she would tell me like, yeah, the games I like to play would be like, I was the store owner and everyone would come into my store and we would use candy wrappers as money. Um, So she just always like, liked the idea of businesses. Um, So we were like always exposed to that. She was always either selling she she's had like a wedding dress business. She sold pots and pans. She sold CDs. Like throughout my whole life, I just was used to being around like someone having an idea and making it um, happen. My dad on the flip side was very much like his um, advice was like, Hey, create stability in your life, right? Like find the job with the benefits and the health insurance and like make sure that you're, um, you know, have all those decks in order, not very risk, um, uh, adverse, more risk tolerant. And my mom was the opposite. So it was very strange in that, like, (laughs) my brain was like, which one's right. (laughs) Right. No doubt. Um, but also very insightful because later on when I was in college, I was like, oh, they both, they both were able to work really well, um, balance each other out. Um, my mom pushed my dad to do some more risky moves that later paid off. And my dad was able to provide that stability so that, um, my mom could, you know, take those leaps. So looking back now, I'm like, wow, they, they really were a great team. Um, but yeah, at the time I was just like, oh, they're this is so interesting to have two different perspectives. I know, right? Well, and as a, as a kid, like, especially going off to college, you're like, what do I do? <laughs> like, what, what, what do I study? Like, what do I, do I start my own business? So for you, you did go off to college. Like, what did you go to school for? Yeah. So I went to college, um, the university of Florida and, um, I first started with, I changed my major like two or three times, which is pretty normal. Um, but I did telecommunications because I wanted to be a producer, like a movie producer. I'd always like, uh-huh. 
towards like creativity and like I like the idea of building um which is interesting now like looking back like oh that's what you were drawn to um and then and then again like you would hear like when you would come home like oh like find a like find a good job like what are you know like at that time like career is like a big deal in your like early 20s like I need to find something um and so I eventually switched to accounting because I really, I actually really enjoy math. Like a really nerdy fact about me is I love calculus. Um, so I was like, oh, accounting's math. Um, and I took like two or three classes and I was like, this is absolutely not fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't for you. <laughs> no, I was like, I can't see myself doing this. I ended up like going to visit a firm just to see if I can intern with them and I just was like, I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Came back from that trip and I was like, I'm switching my major and I did marketing. And so with marketing, mm -hmm, that was, it was fun. It was like, um, business strategy and like marketing. And then I got a minor in entrepreneurship because I, I thought like, okay, I want to be exposed to entrepreneurship because my mom really advocates for this, for starting your own business. And if I end up not going that route, at least I have a marketing degree to work in like corporate, which is like, well, my dad has always, you know, um, given advice for. So, so it felt like, a okay, I, this is me kind of walking the line of I'm able to do both if I wanted to. So that was kind of like my college, um, major career. Um, yeah. Conversation awesome. in my head. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that you were able to combine the two different business models and, and like make it work for your life too. And then you graduated college, and I have to ask, because this is so impressive, you you really help women of color specifically build up their financial life, get financial stability, and then build generational wealth. And this comes from kind of your own personal experience. So can you talk to us a little bit about your, your financial journey to saving some cash? Yeah. Um, so I was at the point of graduation and I was in the school business and I, uh, had applied to a lot of different jobs. And so I just decided, okay, here's my plan. I'm going to graduate, um, work in corporate America, learn as much as I can about business and then make the leap, start my own business and cool. Like I'll have exposure to both. And then I can kind of go from there. That was my grand plan. <laughs> and, um, I ended up really setting my sights on like one particular company. They were based in Austin, Texas. I was like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. And it didn't end up like falling through. Um, it didn't end up working out. And so super bummed. I really didn't pursue any other companies because I just put all my eggs in one basket, which in retrospect, I was like, ah. Um, and so um, it was like two days before graduation and I like, didn't have a job and I was like, this can't be happening. Like I need to find a job. So I, um, just went to like local startups and I was like, <laughs> pretty much just pitching myself. Like I need to, I need to find a job. I need to work. I can do marketing. And uh, luckily I knew, uh, the owner of a local business, local startup. And he was like, great, we are hiring like welcome. And so I was like, great. Awesome. Yes. Let's do it. I didn't even ask like the salary. I was just like, I'm in, let's do it. I <laughs> totally. <laughs> And, um, so I started with that and my first week I was like, okay, I'm eventually going to get paid. So, like I didn't even, I, I was so shy about it. I, I felt like almost like I needed to hide it cause I had told everyone I was going to go to this other job in, in Texas and it didn't end up working out. So I think the combination of that almost like put me in a, a little bit of shame of like, let me just figure it out by myself in my little corner and not talk to anyone, which in retrospect, I'm like, man, like I wish I would have been more open with my finances and career moves at that time. Um, but my first paycheck, I realized like, oh, I'm making $22,000 a year. And so I realized like, okay, how am I going to make this work? I, I honestly, at the time I didn't even know, like if that was high or low, I just was like, I'm getting paid. I don't really know. <laughs> you were just excited to have that paycheck. Right. Especially coming from like a college student who, you know, you're just kind of like getting by. Um, so I remember sitting down and being like, okay, what, what do I want? Like, what do I want to do? Is this job something that I love at the point I didn't know yet? Um, and I just like had this dream, like this big dream of like, I just want to move to California. And in order to move to California, I need $10,000. I couldn't tell you why I picked California or $10,000. Those are just, 
two arbitrary things that I pieced together and my brain was like, okay, that's what you want to do. Got it. Let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, and so my first paycheck, I realized like, okay, what do I, what do I need to do to make this work? Okay. Here are the bills. I have to pay that. Here are my money goals. And then whatever's left over, here's what I get to spend on my wants. And at that time, my wants quote unquote were also include including groceries and gas. Like technically those are like necessities, but I was like, those are the wants category. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was very like diligent and strict with that. And over time I realized like, oh wow, this system is actually working. And about 18 months later, I got to $8,000. So I ended up saving $8,000, um, in an 18 month span on a $22,000 a year income, which later ended up being a little more, but yeah, it was like the first time that I was like, Whoa, budgeting and like telling your money where to go works. (laughs) That is so great. Okay. So props to you, my friend, that's very, very impressive. But talk to us a little bit about your your numbers, if you're comfortable sharing some of that. So, like, what were, like, how much were you spending on rent? Like, give us some context of, like, what, what were your numbers actually looking like with that? Yeah. So, the the biggest thing with making that work was keeping my, my expenses really low. Um, so, because I had, I lived in a college town and there were a lot of people who subleased, um, I was just like, okay, where the rent is the biggest budget item. So like, where can I pay the least amount of rent? Like I really focus on like the big category items. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the first eight months, I believe my rent was two, my rent was $200. So that was like huge and like really rubbing that up. Um, and then I, I kind of was just like, really, that was like the one category that throughout the whole 18 months, I like just made sure, okay, I can never, quote unquote, I can never pay above this much or just this whole thing. Won't, like I won't be able to save as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, and then my health insurance, my parents covered cause I was still under 25. So that was like huge. And then phone and, um, car, I contributed to my parents' plan and then, um, so those, like, I think those were like just the bills. Um, and then from there, I always, as soon as I got paid would immediately move. like, I don't even remember like how much I calculated, but I just knew like, at least I need to hit this number to savings and I would send it over. And then on that Friday, when I got paid, I would see my checking account and that would be somewhere around like, 200 maybe 250 mm-hmm. and then that my that was when I was like okay that is one way or another going to last me for um the two weeks and that You're would make a that freaking work. rock star <laughs> no it's impressive it definitely took a lot of like separating money I think that was like the biggest hack that I learned at the time like if I'm able to take this out of my vi- like my day-to-day checking mm-hmm. there's no way I even like can think I need I have to spend it um so that I think was probably my biggest like hack is like just get it out of sight out of mind and I had like I opened a checking account that was solely for bills so I would send bills money over there and then things would be charged from there or I would send from there um and then whenever I checked my checking account that was actually true representation of how much money I had to spend I love this. Okay. So separating your money was one of the the keys. And then you mentioned your savings account. Was this just like a general savings that you were dropping cash into? Mm -hmm. Yep. At the time I didn't know what a high yield savings account was. I just was like, Oh, this is where we save. Um, so yeah, it was just normal savings at second, um, bills. And, um, I just decided like my rule was like, there's very few reasons why you should take out of this savings. And I think it was because, I I had decided like this was my goal. This is my dream. Ten thousand dollars at California work like we're we're doing this. This is what we have our sights set on. So um I never got into the habit of taking out of savings. There were a couple of times where like that did happen, but um I just always was like, Okay, this is what we have to spend. How are we gonna make this work? And so did you end up moving to California? No. <laughs> how it goes. <laughs> Didn't even happen. <laughs> I ended up just doing an internship after my job at a church that I had, was attending just because I was one, uh, just wanting to learn more about like faith and um, 
yeah so so that was after but um but yeah no <laughs> it, but 10 it, grand it, man <laughs> <laughs> I was close to getting it got to 8,000 but it was definitely a really pivotal um, moment in my personal finance uh, journey and it helped me understand like oh it's not so much like the amount of money, it's like how we can make this stretch and work. And, and at the time, like, I really do feel like, um, there wouldn't like, yes, I optimized my finances, but at a certain point, like, yes, there, the answer was like, okay, Andrea, you need to earn more income. Um, but I'm so glad that I learned like, oh, but here's the structure that really can support more income without having it kind of just almost like slide through and feel like it was wasted and, and not prioritized for something. So, so yeah, that was like, just really great to like, almost like a light bulb moment of like, Oh, the system actually can do more than the income. It's huge. So. That is, it's such an impressive thing to go through. And that did probably set you off onto a really good start, like to be in your early twenties with, you know, eight grand sitting in the bank. That's not normal at all. So I think that's really awesome. And then for you now, when you started to create this into a system, how did you, how did you start to like, think about this from the lens? Cause I know you, you coach people too. Like, how do you think about it from the lens of here's how this applies to everybody? Um, like in terms of like the system working for like the people I coach or just like everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Like some, so general advice on like how we can apply some of your principles to our own lives. Yeah, I think um, probably the biggest thing is that you don't necessarily, like, the system that works for you doesn't necessarily have to be the system that you see somebody else doing, right? Because when I was doing this, like, I didn't track any of my spending. I just had three buckets, bills, goals, and wants. Um, And I didn't, like, track my daily spend. Had I, I probably would have optimized a little bit more. Um, But it was also like a, a light bulb moment of like, Oh, like I don't have to do it a certain way. So I think that, um, a very tangible, um, advice for people is like not necessarily feeling like if one system didn't work for you, then that means like that this whole concept of budgeting and personal finance won't work for you. It just means that you haven't really found your group with it yet. Um, so maybe yours is being really detailed and tracking everything or yours is like, Hey, I'm just going to create three targets to hit each paycheck. And once I hit those, then I'm good. Um, and obviously from there, your own journey unfolds and, and you keep optimizing. But like, I think the biggest thing is like, what's the best first step for you specifically? Mm, I think that's really good advice too. And I like the three buckets. I think that makes it very, I, I guess like, I can visualize that and see exactly like, okay, Whitney, you have this much money here. Don't touch it. Once you get to this point, you're out of money. How did you mentally stick with that? It's so easy to just say yes and go out to eat or buy something, but it sounds like you're pretty, pretty diligent. So how did you mentally wrap your mind around that? Um, I think like there were two big factors that maybe two through three, one of them was I just had like that big goal. And anytime that it felt like I, you know, wanted to go over savings or like take out a, or go over spending and take out of savings, I just remembered like, this is what my goal is. And I really em- embraced like the, the, the stage that I was in, which to me, I'm like, right now I'm building, like, this is what I'm doing. I'm laying a foundation. Like, I, and I just really identified with like, Hey, I'm a builder and I'm building right now. And this is what we're doing. And it was hard, right? Like I would see my friends who ended up getting those corporate jobs, just like doing all these fun things. And like, you know, Instagram can kind of sometimes feel like a a little bit of a comparison game. So there were definitely like hard moments. Um, but I think that, um, really being in tune with like, right now it's a season of building for me. And like, this is what I'm going to commit to. And like, just like, like kind of like, hold on and like, it'll be worth it. Um, not in like a depriving way, but almost like an, an, and this is my choice and this is what I'm choosing to do, which made me feel more like empowered about it as opposed to like on the flip side. Um, so that was, I think really helpful. Another great thing that I got super into after graduating college was just like, fitness. So I'd always be like working out, going to stadiums, uh, going to the gym. So I found a hobby that like really entertained me that again, felt like I was building something like 
like, you know, nutrition and like different uh, workouts to do. And are you doing them faster? How stronger are you getting? Um, so that those two things, I think really one was like having a bigger purpose. And then the other one was like, I like, I enjoy to do things that are, they don't have to like always pay for like, which is just having like a hobby. <laughs> so. That's so cool. I think the, the principles too, between fitness and finance are so dang similar. They are. Yep. <laughs> it's like, if you have the same willpower to get your butt to the gym, you can probably stick to your grocery budget. <laughs> like It's like very similar willpowers. Yeah, it is. And it's like one of those things where like, it's uh, such a, like the first step, the learning curve of building that consistency muscle or the habit muscle is the hard part. But once that's built, it's like, oh, now we can like really flow. But that's such a hard like jump to make that I feel like sometimes people just like give up before they, they make it. And I heard, yeah, it's like, Oh, like, Oh, once you get this muscle down, like you're, you'll be set. Like now you, now it's a rhythm and not like a chore. How do you help people with building up that habit? Do you have any like tips or tricks that you suggest? Um, I think for me, it's just like, uh, well, the, the thing that I like, um, help my clients with is just like the small wins. So like, okay, what's a small money win that you can feel good about and celebrate and be proud of yourself this week for? Um, and then how can you celebrate or create like a really happy moment when you do sit down with your finances? Even if it's like, I sat down, I looked at the numbers, I felt uncomfortable, so I'm going to come back to it. But like, that was a win. Um, so I think because sometimes money creates like a lot of anxiety or like just not very good feelings, um, really kind of helping your brain process like this is actually a good thing. This is an exciting thing. We're going to celebrate. It's okay. Um, is has been helpful in seeing my clients start to like build that muscle because it does come like there is like a, hey, we're going to do it because this is the discipline we're trying to build. And there is like in that, how can we make it, you know, fun and enjoyable. And cause that creates the sustainability, right? Mm-hmm. I think we could all like push through something out of sheer will, but at, at some point we'll probably get bored or burn out. Um, and that's where it's like, that's why you need to make it fun. I love this. I think it's so, so true. And that's, I love your, your emphasis on the little wins because that's something it's so easy to forget about and just keep thinking like the the day-to-day wins are not important, but you recommend celebrating them. And I think that's really smart. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And I, <laughs> I like, um, I feel like one of the ways that I celebrate is just to do like a, um, a screaming jump up and down like celebration just because I feel like that's like yes <laughs> you do that for like big things that I'm like woohoo small when you went and then like then it, like, <laughs> it just creates like a party out of it which I'm like that's great like that this is going to make this journey fun so that is so dang cute I think that's such a good idea too I do something kind of similar. This is really nerdy so bear with but I flip furniture on the side just for funsies And every single time, yeah, it's ridiculous. Every single time I get paid, I literally, you know, that song, I just got paid. I will play that song and just like fist pop. I'm like, yeah. Like, (laughs) and my, my fiance has got like down too. So anytime I'm like, yo, I just got paid. He's like, all right, I'll cue the song. I'm like, this is like the nerdiest. That's great. Oh yeah. It's totally nerdy. But I, but I'm with you though. Like celebrating those little wins. That's where you build your confidence too. So I think you're, you're spot on. I want to take this a step further. So talking to women of color specifically, what are some some maybe struggles or challenges that women of color face that maybe Caucasian women don't? Yeah, I think um, probably I know for Hispanic women um, who are children of immigrants, I think that specifically what I've seen in myself and my clients Um, and even like black women or Indian women, like there are a lot of different cultural, um, things and patterns that I'm seeing. Um, but specifically talking about like Hispanic women, um, it is a lot of, um, one, nobody like in your family talks to you about money and that, that could be, um, you know, uh, the same in other households, but, no one talks to you about, um, money and personal finance and how to do that. Um, but it almost kind of feels like for immigrant children, like to some level, um, 
because of the language barrier, you've become almost like the helper of your parents with um, financial things. Like this is like, I remember um, a story that someone shared with me, which was like, well, I was translating like a how, like how we were going to pay our uh, utility bills because my parents just couldn't communicate in the language. And so kind of taking that on and feeling like you are, um, you know, also supporting your parents at the same time, you're like, I'm navigating new waters and I don't really have a, a vision of what this is supposed to look like. Like, and, and so it kind of creates like almost like the blind leading the blind. Um, and so for me specifically, the reason why I'm like, Oh man, like, I just feel like I want to like really just be an advocate for like, Hey, like women of color, like let's, let's build generational wealth is because, because I feel like I was exposed to like entrepreneurship and I had an aunt who was, um, really involved in real estate investing. Um, those are things that we like as immigrant children or women of color don't always necessarily, um, see as normal. And for me, I'm like, but those are the biggest wealth builders guys. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. we want to work. And yes, like there are great things to having a stable income and like earning income. But when you're talking about like more revenue streams or like more income streams, like you really do need to leverage your savings so that you can create these stepping stones and start businesses and invest in property and invest in the stock market. Right. So I think like, um, because like women of color are, um, kind of focused on like being almost like a first in their family, um, in working the corporate jobs or, you know, um, graduating from college and having a degree, um, it's almost like we're kind of in this stage where the corporate job or the nine to five is like the, the next level for us, mm-hmm. but it's like, oh, but wait, there's a whole lot more. Let me show you. Cause I don't want an, a generation to pass without you even knowing like these are big wealth accelerators. Does that make sense? <laughs> makes perfect sense. I, I think you're, you're spot on. And even like pay gap, like I know there's, there's a lot of really sad statistics out there about women of color in the pay gap is even huge. I mean, it's so crazy. I don't have the exact numbers, but I know it's wild. And so I think it's so important for somebody like you to come in and say, you know, like, here's, here's what I'm doing and just share your journey to building wealth. I think it's so very impressive. Yeah. And it is like, um, sometimes like when I got into the, the personal finance space, trying to find someone that looked like me was also challenging. So I was very motivated to be like, Hey, like, building wealth doesn't have to look like this man in a suit at wall street. Right. Like it can be somebody that looks like you where starting where you are building little by little step by step, like, and, um, almost like understanding like your line and your generation. Like, I think the word generation just means like so much more. Like, I just feel like a a deeper connection to it. Cause I'm like, man, like, even if you didn't get to like your biggest, wildest dream, your children and their children will go farther because of what you learned and what you did and the habits that you'll pass down. And to me, that's like, okay, great. They're not going to start where you started. They're going to be so, so much further ahead. Oh, I love that. So let's talk a little bit about that term generational wealth. I know everyone has slightly different perceptions of what that might mean. So what does that mean for you? Uh, for me, it means, um, a variety of different things, but I think it is the idea that you don't have to start where your generation um, started. You get to mm. pick, you get to pick up where that left off. And so, for some people, that means like, oh, I'm inheriting proper like investment properties, or I'm um, being passed down a business, or I'm just get, like this stuff from my from my family is being passed down. Um, but to other people, it it could mean um, I'm going to start investing in my Roth IRA as soon as I turn 18, or um, I'm going to be like an avid saver and we, we're not going to like live off a credit card. So it really just, it depends on where, where people are in their, you know, personal finance, like just even in, in their personal finance journey or even like economically. Um, but it just for me, it doesn't necessarily 
always equate to tangible, like wealth. It also, Mm -hmm. um, equates to like, uh, like educational, knowledgeable wealth. Obviously we want to leverage that to build tangible wealth. Sure. Um, but I, I just also know like not everybody's starting at the same place and, and, you know, just being aware of that. That's, I love your definition of that. I think that's really, it's one I haven't heard of yet. Usually it's like, oh, it's money for my kids to never have to worry about money and their grandkids. And it's like, is that really what it is though? So I I like that you, you brought the educational piece into it too. I think that's super cool. Yeah. Cool. Speaking of education, how did you learn about investing? What was like your, your entry point into that? Um, so my entry point, this is, uh, this is like one of those, I haven't actually shared this. So it, when I, um, was, um, you know, working and saving and kind of with my first job, I wanted to learn more about investing and I found a book on Amazon. Um, I will teach you to be rich by Ramit Sethi and I put it in my cart and I never bought it. (laughs) Yeah. It just stayed in there. I honestly, looking back, I didn't, I share an Amazon account with people and it was, and a part of me is like, man, what am I like? What a money mindset thing. I was like, I don't want people to like see that I'm buying and I will, I will teach you to be rich book. Like they're going to think I'm greedy. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like that thought, (laughs) I haven't done the math. I haven't done the math of how much that thought cost me, but it really was like, that's why I didn't actually buy it. I ended up buying it years later. And that was like the first investment book that I like read or personal finance book that I read. And I was like, Oh, opened up a Vanguard account, started investing. Um, but that's kind of my introduction to investing in the stock market. Dude, that's so wild. Yeah. <laughs> it always, I, it's, I feel you though. Cause I think there's a lot of shame around money and specifically around women wanting money. It feels kind of ucky. I don't know. That's how I always felt growing up was like, if I even claimed I wanted to become a millionaire it was like, are you going to marry a guy that's going to get into that? Like, like truly, that was the philosophy that I was taught as a kid. And, and it's so sad, all the weird stories we're told as women specifically about investing in wealth building. Yeah, yeah. And it just, it's like, uh, in retrospect, I am like, man, I should have just bought it and like not cared. Um, <laughs> totally. I think that that's something that I also talk to my clients about or just even like help people believe in the idea that you can become a millionaire. Like that's, that doesn't have to be this crazy, um, you know, arbitrary thing that we see in movies. Like there really are ways in which you can strive for that. And if you want to, or if you, you know, it really, really depends on your goal, but don't discount yourself or discredit yourself. If that is even an inkling of like what you are desiring, especially if you're a woman, a woman and like, want like have a desire to build wealth and and pass that down to your children um it's not bad you're not greedy um it just yeah it doesn't have to I think my like biggest like thing that I wish I would have loved to tell like young Andrea is like hey just buy the book learn just learn give yourself permission to learn and you you know from there you can decide but like don't not play because you're afraid of this imaginary thing that people will say to you or not imaginary. So Mm -hmm. you're right. I mean, you're spot on. I think there were a lot of my financial decisions that were based around what I thought people would think or what they would say. And at the end of the day, I'm like, Oh man, like how much same thing, how much money do I lose out on by having that mindset? Yeah. (laughs) We should run that math and see that'd be (laughs) sad and kind of awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I haven't. I haven't done the math. I think maybe one day I will, but it's just, (laughs) you know, it's really just not to know. (laughs) know. (laughs) Sometimes, right. I I feel you. So you were, your whole investing strategy currently is like through Vanguard. Is that still the case? Mm -hmm. Still through Vanguard. Are you like an index funds bonds kind of girl? Are you, what, what, what's your strategy there? Index funds. Yeah. I'm still, um, learning more because I, Started with a target date fund and then index fund. Um, but that, I think that those are like 
stepping stones of, okay, now what comes next? And once you get into the basics of investing, you're like, okay, great. I get this. I get this. We're good. And then there's like different strategies and different portfolio and asset mix. And you're like, okay, where do, how do I, so that, <laughs> totally. that's what I'm diving into, like really understanding, um, uh, you know, like, what do I want to do with it? Uh, how does this work? But I think like the, the, okay, we're going, we're steady, we're growing. I'm like, okay, I feel good there. Mm-hmm. No, I love it. I think you're, you're brave for being, being willing to just do that and learn on your own. When you bought your first share of an index fund, were you terrified or how did that go for you? It was definitely scary. I mean, I had done the research I had, um, I felt like, yeah, no, everything's like, I'm, I'm, everything's good. Everything's going to be fine. But you, as soon as you press the button, there's a, there's a moment that I think your lizard brain c- kicks in and you're like, it's gone. It's going to, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and then you realize, oh, it's actually not gone. Oh, it's there and it's growing. Oh my gosh, it's great. Let me pour more in there. <laughs> yes. You get excited about it. Yeah. So, so that was like my experience with it, which is great. Cause I get to help my clients with, with it. And a lot of friends will ask those questions. And I used to think like, oh, I was, I'm the only per- crazy person that thinks that this is just going to just going to great. Um, but my friends will be like, are you sure a high yield savings account is totally like, it's not going to go like I, you're, you're positive. And I'm like, man, like this is just not like mainstream or common. So it does feel like, am I doing something risky and new? Like you're doing something new because it's not quote unquote common, but you're not doing like, especially the high yield savings account, you're not doing anything risky. Um, so. Do you recommend a lot of like high yield, like online high yield savings accounts? Is that what you're sending your clients towards? Mm-hmm. That's usually like the first, one of the first, um, things I have them set up if they don't already have it. Like, okay, let's like, this is an introduction of how like your money can grow. And we'll talk about like your APY and like your, you know, how this number, this um, yield will make your money grow in the long term. That's a great stepping stone to like, okay, this one was one right now. It's like 0.8, but like this one's like around here. This is the number that you get when you invest. So that kind of like creates a parallel and it's a, a nice like baby step towards like, Oh, here's my money's growing at this rate. Oh, it can grow at this rate. What? Tell me more. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes when you see it laid out in front of you, it's easier to make that decision. So I, I think that it's good advice. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious about, you mentioned your, your aunt is a real estate investor. Is that something that's on your horizon as well? Yes. <laughs> Sweet. That, <laughs> that is one of my big financial goals is like, okay, how do I, how do I own property? I want to own property. I want to own real estate. Um, you know, rent it. Um, so I think those are the two that I saw my parents and my aunt really leverage to, to just like, you know, build wealth. Um, so that is like my next, my next finance, my financial goal after I finish, I'm saving also saving for a wedding. (laughs) Oh, congrats. When's the wedding? Oh, okay. So this is actually so funny that you said that. I'm one of those people that is saving for a wedding before I like even propose to. (laughs) And I I feel very comfortable talking about it because my boyfriend and I like we're, we've been dating for a long time and he knows this. He knows I'm a personal finance guru, like nerd. So I'm like, I'm just safe. Like, this is the next big sense. And he's like, yeah, I get it. Um, and I've shared this with my Instagram, um, just to almost like reiterate the, um, Hey, like you don't have to, li- it, saving doesn't have to be this like afterthought of like, Oh, something happened. Now I need to save. Like you can be prepared, um, and set yourself up to walk into a season. Well, so I think for me, it's like, Hey, like I, I know this is, down the road at some point, um, let me just be proactive now so that when I get there, um, it's not a surprise or I'm not like, oh, how do I do this? Um, so yeah. <laughs> Super smart. No, I, I respect that. I actually very much respect that. I think if, if we all took a little page out of your notebook, that would be a good one to implement immediately. <laughs> yeah. Always be proactive. And to let go of the the, the weird feelings that come with that, guys, I feel like I have had like, what? <laughs> huh? Yeah. Um, but it's like, no, like I, I, I just really want Andrea in the future to be set up and, and live well. And if me presently, I'm still kind of, I'm living my best life. Like how can both 
how, how can I both live my best life now and also tomorrow? Like, I love it. Um, back to real estate. Are you thinking single family duplex? Are you commercial? What do you think your strategy might be? I think it's, um, going to be single family to move into, um, fix up and then kind of bounce around one or two (laughs) times. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited to follow your Instagram for that. That'll be fun. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a whole other world. And I'm like, okay, I want to learn more about this. Um, but for now it's like, okay, how do I move into that one, fix it up a little and then bounce into another one. Uh, duplex is, I've definitely have an appeal. Um, but even where I'm at, I'm like, oh, we don't really have that many of those. So, but yeah, it's all like, all of that is like a whole new landscape that I'm like, wow, this is great to learn about. That's so fun. I love that you're sharing your journey with everybody too. And just being an open book about here's what you're personally doing and teaching from an example. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. It's been great. It's been great to share. There are moments where because sharing or like being open is not as common you know you have butterflies of like oh should I even share that like I remember like should I share with people that I'm saving for a wedding Ah." um but anytime that I do people will be like man like thanks for thanks for saying that like I like it's so cool to hear your story and I'm like okay it's important more people should do this like it's you know it's worth the butterfly moments knowing that like it's going to help someone Oh, I love it. I think that's some really, really good advice. Tell everybody where they can go to hang out with you. Yeah, um, you can go to hang out with me at, at building.gen.wealth on Instagram. Um, so yeah, that's where we hang out. I post a lot of money tips, just day to day. And yeah, come join the party. <laughs> love it. Okay, that's going to be linked in the show notes for everybody listening in. Andrea, before we officially part ways, are you down for some rapid fire questions? Sure. <laughs> right. I love this. My favorite, especially <laughs> coming from frugal people. Tell me what is one purchase you've recently made that has made your life better? Um, oof, gosh, gosh. The uh, versatile. Oh, that was a gift. Uh, <laughs> oh, plants. Oh, I started getting into plants and I got a snake plant. I don't know what this one is, a pothnose and a fern. And so now I'm like, wow, these are great. Because they just like make your whole environment just better. (laughs) Right on. That's awesome. I'll have to get some plant tips from you. I'm like not a green thumb kind of person. (laughs) I try, but I'm not. I Googled like easiest plants to start with. (laughs) No, the snake plant, legit, my friend, it is so easy. You basically ignore it. (laughs) The best. Yeah. I swear it's really good. Okay. Next question for you. I am obsessed with people's morning routines. So tell me what is your current morning routine? Oh, cool. This is great. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I'll get up. I make sure my phone is across the room so that I have to get up and I'm like, my rule is don't get back in bed. Um, and then I fix my, fix my bed. I'll listen to NPR's, um, morning like brief as I'm like getting ready and, um, you know, fixing my bed, getting ready. Then I go make breakfast, make myself a latte, sit down, have breakfast. Um, then usually I have like some of my latte leftover. I'll do a a walk around my block. Um, I'll come back in, I'll, uh, do some journaling, read the Bible. Um, usually after that, do a little bit of Facebook scrolling and start my work day. (laughs) I dig it. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Next question for you, uh, post COVID, we will say, where is one location you're dying to travel to? Ooh, um, I really want to go to, I can't remember the name. It's like this really pretty, oh man, I wish like a part of me is like, why did you, why did you say it? Cause now you're not going to know the name of it. And people are going to be like, <laughs> what? Um, it's this really pretty like mountain water <laughs> oh is it in Italy no it is um uh, it's in the United States it's um man I can't my friend and I were talking about it right like the beginning of March like right before everything just like went crazy um like oh we should do this later on 
but it's pretty much like a excursion, like a five to six day excursion where you just go through, um, water rafts and there's like pretty mountains and it's just like a beautiful, like serene water mountain type vacation. Can't remember the name of it. I'm sorry if you're like, how underwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, sounds great. (laughs) But that's where I want to (laughs) go. I'll have to think, I know I'm trying to think of like where, because it's more mountainous. Yeah, it's more, but it's like, I think I want to say it's air in Arizona. Um, or no, not, yeah. Ooh, mm, I, don't. I know, we're, we'll, to be continued, we'll figure this one out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question for you. What is the secret to financial success? Ooh, the secret. Um, I think the secret to financial success is... Um, being okay with your small building blocks or your building blocks um, and not discrediting them or not feeling like they're enough. So if I were to just give any piece of advice or like pass that on to someone is like, be very proud of each step and like really make it a big deal. Um, whether it's big or small, because that's going to fuel the whole journey. Um, and try not to compare, but like really embrace like every step, every block, every, you know, piece of the puzzle. I love it. Great advice. Andrea, thank you so much for your time and for hanging out. It was so much fun getting to know you, learning a little bit more about your story and you're just a rock star. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Thanks so much. This is great. Thanks so much for having me. All right. What'd you think? What was your takeaway from this episode? I would love to know. To do that, take a screenshot, tag me on Instagram, and let me know that you're listening in. And bonus points if you tell me what your takeaway was. It really does mean the world to me. And it's always fun seeing who's listening in. All right, guys, that's it for today. I hope you're having an awesome Wednesday. And I will see you on Friday for Five Tip Friday or next week for another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye. <laughs>